0: I want to invite you to grab your copy of God's Word this morning. Join me in Acts chapter 28. Acts chapter 28. And church family, it is our last sermon as we walk through the book of Acts. We began this journey on the first Sunday of January of this year. And this is sermon number 45. You have endured 44 sermons through the book of Acts. We're going to walk through it in this last one as we cover chapter 28 this morning. You know, it's interesting as a pastor, there's a lot of things that you could talk about. There are a lot of topics that you could cover. One of the things that I am absolutely convinced of, one of the things that If you've been here for any length of time, you know my conviction is that every single word in this book is from God and for His children. There is absolutely nothing that week in and week out we could devote ourselves to that would do what God's Word promises to do as we've walked through the book of Acts if you remember, we've covered just about every single topic that you could imagine. Every issue that our world is facing, every problem that we ourselves face, every single thing that we could think needs to be talked about in the life of the church has been talked about through the pages of this book. And so what I'm convinced of, and church family, I hope that you join me in this conviction is that as long as I'm your pastor, we will not deviate from God's Word. In light of that, Acts chapter 28, beginning in verse 1, this is what Luke records, After we were brought safely through, we then learned that the island was called Malta. The native people showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all because it had begun to rain and was cold. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer. Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. He, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. And they were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a God. Now in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the chief man of the island named Publius who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. It happened that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery and Paul visited him and prayed and putting his hands on him healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. They also honored us greatly. And when we were about to sail, they put on board whatever we needed. After three months, we set sail in a ship that had wintered in the island, a ship of Alexandria with the twin gods as figurehead. Putting in at Syracuse, we stayed there for three days. And from there, we made a circuit and arrived at Regium. And after one day, a south wind sprang up, and on the second day, we came to Puteoli. And there we found brothers and were invited to stay with them for seven days. And so we came to Rome. And the brothers there, when they heard about us, came as far as the forum of Apius and three taverns to meet us. On seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. And when we came into Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who guarded him. After three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews. And when they had gathered, he said to them, Brothers, though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. And when they had examined me, they wished to set me at liberty because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. But because the Jews' objective... What your views are, for with regard to this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. When they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in greater numbers. And from morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said. But others disbelieved, and disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul had made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, go to this people and say, you will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear. And their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes that we would be able to see. You would open our ears that we would be able to hear. And that you would open our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. As we close out this final chapter in the book of Acts, I want you to write down this main idea that will frame our time together in the text. And is this truth. Never forget, God's plan will be accomplished. Never forget, God's plan will be accomplished. As we've walked through the book of Acts, we have encountered a number of different things. But the main thing that we've encountered is that God has a plan and a purpose in this world. You know, it's easy for us to look and to see all that's going on in the world and to wonder, what is God up to? I mean, what is God doing? I mean, as you look and You think about in our own country, but then you expand your horizons and look beyond our shores and realize that across the world, that the gospel of Jesus Christ, the truth of who Jesus is and what he's done is continuing to spread throughout the world. We may be in a decline in this country in terms of the gospel spreading the way that it once did. But if you look in Africa and if you look in South America, you look in China, what you see is that God is not asleep at the wheel. But that God's plan is continuing to unfold, that people's lives are continuing to be transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as we look at the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 28, don't lose sight of where we are in the story. That Paul, who was once a persecutor of Christians, who sought to put Christians to death, whose main objective and main goal was to stamp out Christianity, if at all possible, met Jesus Christ on the Damascus Road, and it transformed his life. If you're here this morning and you've met Jesus, and you've trusted in Him as your Savior your life too has been transformed in the same way that Paul's was. And Paul, as a result of his life being transformed, gave his life what remained of it, as we see even in Acts chapter 28. Wherever he could go and wherever he could bring together an audience, he would share the gospel of Jesus Christ. He would point people to Jesus. He would lift high the name of Jesus so that men and women and boys and girls would trust him as their Savior, that their lives would be transformed as his life was transformed. And what we see unfold in the book of Acts, what we see in the Apostle Paul's life, even as he is nearing the end of his life here in Rome, is that the mission that God had called him to fulfill remained the greatest burning passion of his life. As we think about that, As we think about God's plan being accomplished, I want us to walk back through the text this morning as we consider Paul's life here as he finally makes it to Rome. And I want us to consider three truths this morning. And the first one is this. God has a plan to save people from every nation on earth. God has a plan to save people from every single nation on this planet. Now, as we look back at Genesis, as we look at God speaking creation into existence, of God forming mankind with His very hands, what we are reminded of is that God created man to have a relationship with Him. That God's plan for you, God's plan for me, God's plan for every single human being that has ever walked the face of this earth is to have a relationship with us. In fact, one of the Christian thinkers and theologians said it this way, that there is a God-shaped hole in every single human heart that only God can fill. And often we spend our lives trying to fill that hole in our heart with any number of things and the reality is Jesus is the only one who can fill the deepest longings of our heart. And we realize as we walk through the Scriptures from the Old Testament beginning in Genesis, we see in Genesis chapter 3 that instead of having a relationship on good terms with the Lord, that Adam and Eve chose to disobey God. And sin in that moment shattered the relationship that they had with God. And ever since Genesis chapter 3, beginning in verse 15, God made a promise that He would ultimately crush Satan and bring about healing for His people. That ultimately, God would work in such a way. And as we walk through the Old Testament, we see hints and glimpses and prophecies of God saying, I am going to send one who is going to crush the head of Satan and make it possible for you to be forgiven of your sins and brought in a relationship with me. We see as we move into the New Testament, Jesus Christ, the very Son of God, stepped foot on this planet and lived a perfectly sinless life, took your sin and my sin upon Himself on the cross, stretched out before the world to see, paid for our debts, died there on the cross but he didn't stay dead. In fact, God raised him on the third day, making it possible for us by trusting in Jesus Christ to be forgiven of our sins and brought into relationship with our Heavenly Father. In Acts chapter 1, we saw Jesus say to his disciples before he left this earth and ascended to the right hand of his Father, he said, I have a mission for you. I have a plan for you. That plan has been unfolding since before the foundations of the world were laid. That plan is for you whose lives have been transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ to proclaim the hope that can be found in Jesus So for the disciples, that was the mission that God had given him. That was the plan that God was enacting and was bringing to fruition. The beautiful thing is that God's plan is not just to save Jews, but God's plan was to save people from every tribe and tongue and nation. There is not a person, regardless of the color of their skin or the place where they were born or the place where they live, that cannot be transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is what Paul gave his life for in church. That is what God has called us to give our lives to. See, the incredible thing is that God's plan to save people from every nation on earth as believers in Jesus Christ intersects our lives. Here's the amazing thing, that Jesus Christ has transformed our lives if we've trusted in Him as our Savior, and then He invites us to join Him in this plan. Think about that. Just realize that if you've trusted Jesus Christ at your Savior, that Jesus has enlisted you on His team, that He has invited you to participate in what He's doing in this world, that you have the great privilege of being, as the Scripture calls us, ambassadors of Jesus Christ. That we get to join Him in accomplishing this plan. That we get to participate with Him. Along with millions of believers across this globe. Along with many saints who have gone before us. We join in God's army and part of His mission is to save people from every tribe and tongue and nation. Here's the thing, you're heading into Thanksgiving week. For some of you, you're about to encounter family and it may not be pretty. That brother-in-law or that sister-in-law or the crazy uncle that you have or Whoever it is, you're going to sit down across the table with them and engage in conversation. And here's the thing, God has placed you there for a specific purpose and a specific plan as a believer so that you have an opportunity before you to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with that family member. Or when you leave here this morning and you go to a restaurant or you go to the grocery store or you go home and pull up at your house and you engage with your neighbor that's outside, you have the opportunity to join God in His plan and share the hope that you found in Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus has given us a mission that we collectively as believers in Him have the privilege of carrying out in this world. That's what we see Paul doing in Acts chapter 28. Don't forget Paul's journey. We left Paul last week being shipwrecked as a prisoner, having declared he wants to go and see the emperor in Rome so that he can share the gospel of Jesus Christ there. Listen, regardless of where Paul went, Paul took The hope that he'd found in Jesus Christ and shared that with whoever he encountered. God has a plan to save people from every nation on earth, and we have the privilege of joining with him in accomplishing this plan. I want you to notice the second truth, though there is always, 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 always opposition to God's plan. This is one of the most difficult things, I think, for us as believers to wrap our heads around. You've experienced it. I've experienced it. Opposition to God's plan. As we share the hope we found in Jesus Christ with other people, sometimes they don't want to hear it. So what we see happening here as Paul is in Rome and he interacts with his Jewish brothers. Paul was a Jew by birth and he had come to meet Jesus Christ as his Savior. He believed that Jesus was the long-awaited Savior that the Old Testament prophets had said was going to come. And so in every city that he went into, he first shared the gospel with the Jews that were there. And he does the exact same thing here in Rome. He gathers them together. And he says to them, here's who Jesus Christ is. From the Old Testament, from the prophets, he declares to them that salvation is possible through Jesus Christ and through him alone. He is the Savior that we have been longing for as a people, waiting for. And we see, once again, as often happened as he shared the gospel with the Jews, a few would believe, but by and large, many would reject it. You know, the thing that we need to keep in mind is we should expect opposition. If we take seriously the mission of God, if we take seriously Jesus' commission to his disciples to go and to make other disciples, to share Jesus with other people, to see them come to faith in Jesus Christ, we should expect opposition. Why should we expect opposition? Because we know we have an enemy who is seeking to do everything he can to thwart God's plan and God's purposes. That enemy is not a person in this world. That enemy is a spiritual being, Satan, who is doing everything he can with the arsenal at his disposal to attack believers, to attack the mission of God spreading throughout this world, which means for you as a believer, if you take seriously the mission that God has called you to fulfill, you should expect opposition You should expect spiritual attack as you seek to point people to Jesus Christ. But hear me, don't get discouraged by that. Don't let that dissuade you from doing what God has called you to do. Recognize that if you are being attacked, it must mean you're doing what God has called you to do. And then the flip of that is true as well. If you're not experiencing any attack as a believer, spiritually speaking, it causes you to ask the question, am I taking seriously the mission that God has called me to fulfill? Because what we know is that as we take that mission seriously, as Paul took that mission seriously, that he experienced opposition as he sought to do what God had called him to do. I mean, we've covered it in the book of Acts. Everything from imprisonment of Paul, beatings that Paul endured, shipwrecks that Paul endured, being chased out of cities, being threatened with plots against his life. All of this, Paul endured for one reason, because he was trying to tell people about Jesus. There's always opposition to God's plan, but... I want you to notice this third truth, the great news, that God's plan will be accomplished. Hear me. There is no doubt about it. There is no question mark at the end of God's plan. There is an exclamation point at the end of God's plan. His plan will be accomplished. We look forward to Arriving in heaven one day and seeing people, as the scripture tells us, from every tribe and tongue and nation. As I prayed earlier, my hope is that these boxes that are sent out from North River Church will impact a child's life so that they, cha- they turn to Jesus and are forgiven of their sins. And one day we have the opportunity to meet them in heaven and to hear how Jesus changed their life what we see is that the gospel of Jesus Christ was spreading throughout the known world at this point. And that this location in Rome was one of the final points for Paul to reach with the gospel. That Paul desired desperately to get the gospel there. Paul had traveled throughout much of the known Roman world at this point and had shared the gospel in every city that he went into and here he does the exact same thing in Rome. Remember as Paul was on the ship that God had spoken to him and said to him that you will accomplish the plan of getting the gospel to Rome. All the other people on the ship thought they were going to die. Paul says, "No, I got a plan. God's put me on a mission. And that plan is going to be accomplished." And what we know ultimately as we read to the end of the book is that God's plan is accomplished. That people from every tribe, tongue, and nation trust Jesus Christ as their Savior, that their sins are forgiven, that they are brought in a relationship with their Heavenly Father through the blood of Jesus Christ. So Christian, I want to remind you of this truth. We, as believers, operate from a place of victory as we join God in accomplishing His mission. Let me say that one more time. We operate from a place of victory. As we carry the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, as we share with our family members or our coworkers or our neighbors, we do it from a place not of defeat. We do it from a place not of questioning whether it's going to work. We do it from a place of victory. That Jesus Christ, because of His death and resurrection on the cross, has secured the victory that we desperately need. As God's plan unfolds, as opposition springs up, here's one of the things that we find out. It's never enough to crush Christianity. As opposition springs up, it's never enough to knock off course God's plan and God's purpose. That as we see the gospel go forth, as we see lives transformed, we are witnessing the victory of God on display. And we operate from a place of victory. Now, here's what happens when we operate from a place of victory. It changes the way we go about the mission. It changes how we approach it. We don't approach it timidly as if we're not sure what's going to happen. We approach it with boldness as we see Paul said here, he proclaimed the gospel without hindrance and with boldness in Rome. I want to challenge you, believer, Over this week of Thanksgiving, you may have the opportunity to interact with people that you don't normally interact with. Maybe family members who are far from God, you have the chance over the next week together to share the hope that you found in Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you, share that hope boldly from a place of victory, knowing what Christ has done on your behalf maybe you're here this morning you've been searching you've been looking you've been wondering is there hope can my life change and you've never taken that step of trusting Jesus Christ as your savior you've never waved the white flag of surrender You have an opportunity this Sunday before Thanksgiving, 2020, in the midst of a crazy year, at the end of the book of Acts, right now, for Jesus Christ to transform your life by trusting in Him as your Savior. There's no greater celebration of thanksgiving than that. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? As we sing the song of invitation here in just a little bit, maybe for you, You've been reminded this morning of the mission that God has called you to fulfill. You've taken the step of trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior. And you know over the next week, you're going to interact with a family member or a friend that you know needs to hear who Jesus is and what He's done. And I want to challenge you over this time of invitation as we sing in just a few moments to spend some time in prayer right now, asking God to convict that person's heart as you share Jesus with them, that he would prepare the way for you and that They would trust Jesus Christ as their Savior as you boldly share the gospel with them. You have an opportunity in the next few moments as we sing together to possibly kneel right where you are to utter that prayer, or maybe come down here in the front of the stage and pray for that person. Pray for God to give you boldness to share. Maybe you want to take the opportunity this morning to come down here to the front of the stage and just to lay your hand on some of these boxes and to pray for the kids who will receive those. That Jesus Christ would transform their life. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never taken that step of trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior, but you want to take that step today. As soon as I finish praying, if that's the desire of your heart, I want you to meet me in the foyer right outside the doors of the sanctuary. Love to have the opportunity to pray with you and to share with you this morning what it means to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. Don't let this day go by without taking that step if you know that's the step you need to take. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We're so thankful as we close out the book of Acts to be reminded that your plan is still being accomplished even as we speak. That the gospel of Jesus Christ continues to transform lives. That believers all around this world are sharing the hope they found in Jesus with others. And they're doing the same thing, trusting Jesus as their Savior and then sharing that hope with someone else. Father, would you use this time as we sing and as we pray, convict our hearts, help us to intercede and pray for those that we know we're going to encounter this week that need Jesus. Help us to pray for The kids who will receive these boxes. And if there's one here that needs to take the step of trusting Jesus Christ as their Savior, give them the courage right now to begin to make their way to the foyer to take that important step. We ask that in your Son Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand would you sing? If you'd like to come down front here, I'd love to invite you to do that. To lay hands on some of these boxes and pray for them. You can kneel right where you are if you want to do that as well. And if you need to take the step of trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior, would you go ahead and step out right now? Meet me in the foyer. Let's talk.